All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today, once again, with Kelly. The very first episode of the lazy... Oh my god, I don't know. The lazy river lead lead into summer. The very first episode of the lazy river lead into summer, brought to you by Sign on the Window. (laughs) This week we're going to be listening to the very first song about rivers. And we're going to listen to rivers until it's July. So enjoy life. Does that mean we're going to listen to everything by Weezer? Right? That's his name, River something or other? Yikes. So this is a Bob Dylan <laughs> podcast, of course. We, uh, we're we usually a weekly podcast, but because we're on the lazy river leading into summer, we are we are enjoying ourselves and a little bit of time off as we, uh, we've we gr- been granted permission to leave the bunker. If you joined us last week, you're knowing. You know that the bunker time is almost up. Um, and we're going to be um, soon getting into a more permanent um, podcasting space um, that we're excited to bring you weekly podcasts like we were for the first 50 um, episodes or so of this podcast. What is this podcast, you might be asking? I am. What is this lead into summer lazy river nonsense? Well, I have no idea. That's true. What is it? It's very convoluted. We just made it up on the spot. <laughs> it's a Bob Dylan podcast, Kelly. We are here today to talk about Bob Dylan. This is episode 54, so we've listened to 50 – there's 53 episodes in the past, Kelly, that you can go listen to Bob Dylan. Well, you can listen to Bob Dylan on Spotify and wherever you get your music. (laughs) But you can listen to Sign on the Window wherever you get your podcasts. What a catalog. Of us? Yeah, Yeah, man. What an amazing catalog. I I mean, 50-plus episodes? I mean, come on. That's amazing. So I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the number of milligrams of caffeine and 12 ounces of Mountain Dew. Something uh, you might want to think about maybe not bringing along on the on the lazy river. 53. 54. Damn. I never know And this happening. week we listened to Shenandoah off of 1988. Is that a lot? Down in the groove. Is 54 milligrams of caffeine a lot? Oh, Shenandoah, I long to hear you. Look away, you on the river. All right, Kelly, so we spent this week with 1988's Shenandoah. We're going to get into the song Shenandoah, Oh Shenandoah, if you will, um, and where its history lies. Bob Dylan did not write this. You could say that he arranged it. There's a couple of changes that Bob Dylan's made, but you know what? Other people have changed the song too, Bob. We see right through you. This song was on his, uh, his 1988 album, Down in the Groove. Before we get into the context, Kelly... Just right off the bat, how do you feel about the song? It was. What's the word? Well, that is a great encapsulation. For not what, down memorable. in the groove. <laughs> down in the groove. You can just say down in the groove and not memorable. Literally nothing. But nothing would be better. Nothing would almost be preferable. It's such an I mean, old song. The choir's song. nice. There's clapping. It's a. It's a fine. Is it's it, fine and offensive. Is it nice? Is it? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you think it's nice because you listen to it so many times, but I think it's that Stockholm Syndrome of being stuck in a room this. with a song. I enjoy this. Yeah. Oh, they're about to clap now. 
I'll clap along. I'm clapping. <laughs> so this song, Down in the Groove is so unique because this song, this I don't think that this um, song has a producer credit because these songs were cobbled together over like three years of Bob just like having literally no ideas in the world and coming and um, just recording shitty cover songs and bad songs and we've listened to maybe someday and everything knocked out loaded 86 onward uh, which was this and, and down in the groove and then of course oh mercy oh mercy he's found something a spark is lit he is now on the road to where we find him today which is once again being a genius but at this point he's completely exhausted uh everybody hates this album and rightfully so rolling stone said that this was the worst album uh, in bob dylan's catalog um, this this album was released on May 30th, 1988. You have Madeline Quebec and Carolyn Dennis, who you might remember from us talking about this era, the 1980s era Bob Dylan in our last episode when we reviewed um, I Don't Believe You, She Acts Like We Never Have Met. Uh, we talked about these, uh, these two women being mm-hmm. the background vocals. Uh, and then it was overdubbed at a later occasion. Recorded on June 16th, but overdubbed. It doesn't matter. June 16th, 1987, I was about to be born. Two weeks from the day that Bob Dylan laid down this garbage. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Rolling Stone's David Frick said, quote, If the musician's credits are any indication, the songs that made the final cut come from half a dozen different recording sessions spread out over six years. Oof. Robert Criscow sums it all up. Basically, it's not horrible. Uh, it's just incredibly boring. Quote, all he can do to a song is Dylanize it. And I think when you're using Dylanize as like a horrible verb. Kind of pejorative, yeah. A very pejorative verb. Uh, I think we all know what you mean, though, by Dylanizing a song. Uh, he later went on to call this a horrendous product. Wow. So not a lot of love lost between Down in the Groove and Bob Dylan fans, especially when you have O Mercy coming out the next year. It's pretty bleak out there in 80s Bob Dylan world. All right, Kelly. So I think we both agreed that we were going to dive into the history of the song itself, um, which has been known by a lot of names, uh, including across the wide Missouri, um, O Shenandoah, and of course Shenandoah, among other ones. And, and I mean, that's kind of what we were doing here by looking through all of that. But you told me that you didn't really... You didn't really do that. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the song's about. Clearly, I wasn't paying attention. Or, I don't know, you kept saying Shenandoah like I knew what that was. Or like, yeah, obviously it's the Shenandoah River. So that's what I assumed this song was about because I wasn't looking at the lyrics apparently or listening to the song even once, even though I listened to it multiple times. So I was like, Shenandoah, let me look this up. Maybe he means one of the U.S. cities, either in Iowa, Louisiana, New York, Pennsylvania, or Texas. Or perhaps one of the neighborhoods in either Miami or Texas. Or sorry. Houston. Maybe he means one of the many ships named Shenandoah, USS Shenandoah, USNS Shenandoah, CSS Shenandoah, or even the airship, the USS Shenandoah. Maybe it's a train, the Amtrak or the B&O train named Shenandoah. Maybe it's the 1965 film Shenandoah or the 1974 Broadway musical based on the movie Shenandoah named Shenandoah. Featuring Jimmy Stewart. There you go. Or maybe he means the country music group or their self-titled debut album Shenandoah. What about the college Shenandoah University? Or maybe that one episode of the newsroom named Shenandoah. I don't know. Is that what it means? But no, I remember you talking about this area in in somewhere and that there's a river or something. So I bet it's the Shenandoah River. No, because of course I wouldn't mean the song, right? I wouldn't mean the song. So I figured you meant the Shenandoah River. 
which is a river in New Zealand's west coast region that flows northwest to reach the Maruai River, which is 25 kilometers southeast of Inangaha. I'm a huge, uh, huge New Zealand head. I know. That's why I figured that's what you meant. And Bob Dylan is, too. Um, Traditionally, half of the songs we've listened to have been about New Zealand and the intricacies of growing up in New Zealand. Maori people and, yeah. Yeah. Duh. So it makes sense that this would be it. But then also there was that uh, Oneida, Iroquois Indian chief. Look at you. You had a little bit more information. No, I don't. That was just one of the one of the many disinformations. And it started finally dawning on you that maybe that's not what I was getting at. Maybe this is the one I'm getting at. Yeah, but too late in the game. So that's Way all I got. Way too late in the game. That, a, that uh, was an Indian chief by the name of Shenandoah. Yeah. And Oneida, of course, is uh, Oneida Castle is the name of the town now. It exists in uh, central New York. You can go to Oneida. You can go see all this stuff. Uh, the Five Nations uh, the, of the Iroquois are still... There, for what it's worth, um, you know, that's a pretty loaded term. I mean, they still exist, obviously. Like most Native people do. Yeah. Survival is, uh, yeah, resistance in and, of its, in and of itself. So God, every time we bring this up, I just feel so shitty. So that's part of this, too. So this is a, it's an interesting song because it carries a lot of, uh, a lot of baggage like that. Um, so the song itself originated with uh, Canadian and American Voyeurs or voyagers, voyagers. Um, the word voyage comes from voyagers who were um, basically boat people. They were people that um, understood the rivers of this country. And before there were American and Canadian voyagers, um, they were French. Voyagers were um, were basically the licensed, like the think of them as like licensed boatmen. They were part of the French society. Uh, if you were going to go on an exploration. You were going to be with a voyager. You were gonna you were gonna go off with them because they knew what they were doing. They so were, like the captain, kind of, kind yeah. Of? They just they were they're almost mythical. They're legendary uh, in that um, they had to do a lot of stuff because part of part of being a boatman that people don't think about is that you also have to do something called a portage, which is where you can't take a river. You have to go to the next river. You know, river ends at some point, and you got to get on the next one. Well, that means you got to carry all your shit. You know what I mean? Like you, oh, yeah. nobody ever thinks about that. So, so like the opposite of when you play Oregon Trail, whereas you're traveling along on a normal dirt road, and then suddenly there's a river you have to ford. It's like you're traveling along on your river, and now there's a land you got to ford. Yeah, to be a voyager, you had to ha- you had to be able to carry two ninety pound bundles of fur because they were fur traders uh, over portage. Some carried up to four or five at a time over miles. Holy shit! And there's even a report of one voyager carrying seven for half of a mile. That's seven ninety pounds. That's six hundred pounds. That's some John Cena shit. That's some crazy ass shit. These people were, and 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 what happened to them in the end is that they got so accustomed to life that they ended up. Um, there's a lot of different um, ways that America could have gone, but one way is the French way, which would have been. Nobody knows how it all could have turned out, but the French wanted to assimilate with the native people. They wanted to be part of the culture. They mm. didn't want to be. Um, so they a lot of these people ended up marrying. Um, into native tribes and the English then sort of beat the French in the French and Indian War and then continued onward. Would the French have done that? More than almost positively, the French would have taken over the country just in the same way. Because uh, I think the allure of it all is so – and it's it's not really even an English thing. It's not an Anglo thing. It is a European mindset. It's a Western mindset that took over this country from sea to shining sea. So there's no way that France would have been like – this is cool. But it is an alternative 
vision of the world that could have existed. Underneath them, you've got something called the Coeurs de Bois. Coeurs de Bois. Uh, who were freelancers. So they were just people out living amongst the Indians and they would just freelance totally non-connected with anybody. And then you finally have the Engages, uh, who were smaller merchants and general laborers. Mostly they were immigrants from France or from elsewhere, but came over on French ships. But they were also men that were obliged to go anywhere and do anything that their masters said. Not so much, I mean, masters is probably a weird terminology because they weren't slaves. There was not that sort of thing. Lewis and Clark used engages to go from um, up the Missouri up to uh, North Dakota where they camped the first winter. So these people were just hired boatmen, but they weren't they weren't licensed. They weren't professional. You know what I mean? They weren't like representing France. They were just um, they were just like immigrants that would like do anything you wanted and they would do everything you wanted, which was also porting uh, and all that kind of stuff. So they were just kind of the total they were the grunt the grunt that was going to be they're like the moving company they were going to do everything from packaging your shit up to moving it to moving it in um whereas the uh the voyagers would just be like i'll get you there i'll get you through those rapids but i'm not fucking moving your shit you do whatever you gotta do and i traveled nowhere beyond this river so so that's kind of setting the scene for what's going on now while you're doing this work we're all familiar with sea shanties right how do you feel about sea shanties do you like those? I feel like like listening to those. Dropkick Murphys. Do you like listening to sea shanties? There's a time and a place. Yeah, I I've never found the time and a place. I don't like them, but I, I understand them. Um, this song in particular, um, people think was created on the water uh, as ways to pull in ropes uh, and do stuff. So when when they're saying, well, white man love an Indian maiden. Yeah, so people think the look away part right there, look mm-hmm. away, look away. You rolling river. river. Yeah, so people would join in on the course for you rolling river, and you would have the one person carrying the tune along and then it would go to the next person and then people would improvise their own lyrics as you do. But when you do the look away, you're pulling in, look away, you know, Mm -hmm. pulling in something away from the river, get away, you roll in river, you know, sort of telling the river what's Mm -hmm. business. So you kind of create this little thing. It's kind of fun. I I mean, mean, it did just make me think of Mulan. Let's get down to business. (laughs) I think that's totally (laughs) apt though. I think that's so much fun. Um, So yeah, I think um, up to uh, 1860 before the civil war, Everything before that sort of, I think, centered around the United Chief Shenandoah. Uh, without going so deep into the history of, of him, uh, you you did a litany of all of the stuff. It's also a valley, the Shenandoah Valley. It's mm-hmm. also a national park mm-hmm. that you can go to in Virginia. So those are things you can do. Fun fact, uh, the performer-composer Joanne Shenandoah was, is a descendant of Chief Shenandoah. Mm-hmm. And the oral tradition says that uh, Chief Shenandoah, he lived to be 116 years old. Right. Insane. And he provided food uh, for George Washington during the Valley Forge winter in 1777-78. He ended up siding pretty much exclusively with the English, which, of course, looking back on it, bad call. Um, But it is what it is. And so um, legend has it that the Shenandoah River, the valley, and the national park that's named after it, and the university and all the Shenandoahs across the country are named after, after him because George Washington was like, 
thanks for uh, thanks for helping out. Keeping us alive. We're going to go ahead and uh, – why do I make him sound like Barack Obama? <laughs> thanks for helping us out. Uh, <laughs> oh, Shenandoah River. Shenandoah, yeah. Um, and then Sally, who sometimes becomes Nancy because those two – words are the same um is sometimes the daughter who in the song even this song seven years is being courted by uh, a missouri river trader you know in the 1800s it became a sea shanty uh by sailors in various parts of the world uh there's a sailor in the 1800s uh in the mid 1800s that said quote shenandoah probably came from the american or canadian voyagers who were great singers in the early days of America, rivers and canals were the chief trade and passenger routes, and boatmen were an important class. Shenandoah was a celebrated Indian chief in American history, and several towns in the States are named after him. Besides being sung at sea, this song figured in old public school collections. Sorry, that was from Sea Shanties, Sea Songs and Shanties collected by W.B. Wall in 1910. So even by 1910, they were understanding like where this is coming from. A sailor, though, who was aboard... Um, a ship carrying wool between Britain and Australia in the 1880s noted that he thought this song originated from black America, uh, a spiritual, and there's records of actually people singing songs like this. Quote, the shanty is obviously of American origin. Shenandoah was more of a wool and cotton shanty than a capson shanty. Lots of shanties going on. I don't really, I don't do shanties. I think you've said the word shanty more I know. right now than you have in your title. <laughs> I have many times heard it sung down the hold on the wool screw, on the wool screws. Now I had to look this up, so I tried to look up what wool screws are. I can't even say it right. Wool screws. screws. What do you think a wool screw is? I would imagine it's like some kind of uh, textile production in the sense of like where you take wool in its raw form and you're trying to possibly turn it into something usable like yarn. Or okay, so you, okay, so you heard it sung down the hold on the wool screws. So people are working on the wool screws. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Cause I looked it up and it seemed like it's something that you could hire. Cause it's like, huh. cause they were doing a whole litany of like, um, you know, iron forger, blah, you know, six pence or whatever. Right. And then at the very end, as part of almost the servants and stuff at the end was how much you would pay for just like somebody to come on and like clean the poop deck or whatever. Mm -hmm. You would also – the wool screws was part of that. So I was like, what is a wool screw? Yeah, so the the way wool works, just real quick. So you get the yeah. sheep or an alpaca or whatever, the, the animal that you're getting the fur from. You shear them or cut the, the fur off. And then you have to do something called carding where you take um, these things that have like metal teeth and you scrape it all so it gets nice and fluffy and you kind of clean it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And then you turn it into a usable fiber by spinning, like spinning wheels or – other like hand tools to turn that into a strand that can be woven. Did you work at a wool screw? Is that what you're saying? Stacia spun her own fucking yarn forever. So Nuts. yeah. Holy shit. I think you're right. Even in context, that kind of makes more sense. I think I wasn't really thinking of it like that. I was thinking of it almost as a person just because you could pay like for a them. Person named a wool yeah, screw. So yeah. So hold okay. on the wool screws, like down in the hold on the wool screws. Like, are we standing on people? Like yeah, so down shanties? in the hold like, would probably be the, the hold. I get deck. that. Yeah, but yeah. then on the wool screws, I'm like, they're now on the makes wool sense. screws. They're doing the wool yeah, screws. Yeah. Okay, that, I'm glad we. This is good. <laughs> uh, so they're on the wool screws by this uh, the Sydney waterside workers, and many were full blooded Negroes who undoubtedly brought these shanties off the cotton ships. With regards to the words, these vary according to the tastes of the shanty man. Shanty man. <laughs> In the first and third line of each verse, there being no effort called for on these two lines. But this, oh yeah, because the shanty person's not calling on the on those lines; it's just the singer. Right. Uh, but the second and fourth lines were always the same. These being the rhythm lines on which the weight was used. 
When I was in the wool trade in the 80s, in both the Tweed, which is now an Indian ship, uh, I think it's called the Punjab, and it's uh, and it's w- with India. It was also part of the Cuddy, the Cuddy Sark, which is a British clipper that is now part of the National Historic Fleet. And you can go and visit it in London. Uh, it's in the center of Greenwich, uh, in the southeast in the southeast of London, uh, close to the National Maritime Museum. Oh, it's sitting there uh, for you to go and view. What a missed opportunity! I know. And this shanty was daily used on the wool screws. <laughs> <laughs> So eyewitnesses record um, hearing black workers loading and unloading wool and cotton from ships in the late 19th century. Um, But instead of saying what's become across the wide Missouri, they use the line, this world of misery. Yikes. Uh, Even even worse. Uh, Paul Robeson, who is on our playlist, was one of the first popular singers to popularize this. An insane version of the song. Yeah, I mean, amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, it was featured in that James Stewart Civil War movie, Shenandoah. Emma Lou Harris recorded it for Sling Blade with uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, we listened to Bruce Springsteen, who was not on our playlist because we ran out of uh, time, didn't want to make it too long. He goes on full rolling cadence. He calls it the Wide Missouri. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the song is number 324 in the round, in the, in the round in the Round Folk Song Index, which is the English Folk Dance and Song Society. And they collect every instance of these songs being played, recorded, written down. Uh, and so because this is number 324, I mean, that gives it the prominence. They have tens of thousands of songs cataloged. And so the fact that this is one of the first ones kind of test is a testament to how long it's existed in popular imagination. But it's definitely um, an American song. And uh, I think I think there's a lot to be said about it being something that, you know, uh, existed on the rivers of this country. Not so much the Missouri, uh, because the Missouri was always something that was kind of a fiction. But even just being on the Mississippi, being on the Ohio, you know, being on the the northern rivers, you know, the Hudson River and and the Great Lakes and all of that. Uh, Across the Wide Missouri, of course, is also a book by Bernard DeVoto. Uh, that won the Pulitzer Prize in history in uh, 1948 that looked at the fur trade across this uh, this region in this time after Lewis and Clark and um, just as just as the fur trade was coming to an end. Now, we're inter- more interested in the river version than the sea shanty version, mainly because I don't really like sea shanties. I like rivers. Rivers are great. I'm a fan of rivers. How do you feel about rivers? They're fine. I prefer the we ocean. are. Oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, as you can see, listener, <laughs> there's a tension here in the room. A rift. A rift. A rift. So Dylan's version uh, of, of this song, if we want to get into it a little bit, your initial thought was just completely bland. Yeah. Not a lot to it. You liked it. Right. We, we refer to it as the Stockholm Syndrome of clap it. <laughs> It's okay. I like it. I yeah. think even it's good. And it was even upbeat, and it's got like a little bit of banjo picking, it feels like, right at the beginning. like Or it might just be another guitar yeah, that's so. sort of tuned in a certain way. Yeah, and it's kind of different when you have either ropes in 
and even Bruce, I mean, just as our two sort of examples, this song, there's like, I don't know, I guess it's okay to feel lightweight, but the other ones have so much weight to them. They're like really serious songs, like really songs about longing and lost and like longing for a place. I don't know. You didn't feel any of that. No, not from Bob's version, really. It just super washed over me uh, to keep the river metaphor going, I guess. It's oh, just nice. nothing really stuck. You're just on your inner tube and it just... Yeah. That Paul Robeson version, or is that his name? Paul Robeson, yeah. Yeah, I found out about that, dude. We can talk about it on You Want to Ramble. So it is kind of a... It's a, it's a weird... It's weird to listen to it because it's from a, a very distant past. It's a place that doesn't kind of exist anymore. It's speaking of uh, a Native American tribe that doesn't exist in the way that it used to. And about a whole different culture that doesn't doesn't exist anymore. The river faring sea shanty singing. Yeah, it, voyeur voyagers. And really, in reality, we put our headphones in now, and we would pull up the rope. We wouldn't pull it up anyway. It would be a machine that. Oh hell yeah! Give us a winch. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Winch. 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 You know what I mean? Something. I mean, with a pulley on it. Yeah, and if you were to be on a keelboat today, or a, or a pirogue, or whatever, out on on the water. Beyond a canoe where you're in a literal canoe where it's just you in the water, you're probably relying on, on a lot more on, on technology than you realize. And you're also relying on um, radar and everything like that. So you're not running into a sandbar. I was reading, a, a, you know, doing research for something we'll talk about at the end of the podcast. I was reading one review of, of the Lewis and Clark journals in general and and. One one guy said, you can sum this up as three things. Dumb luck. They just lucked into everything that happened. Grizzly bears were dicks. <laughs> and sandbars. That's it. <laughs> That's all. That's all that it is. And uh, grizzly bears were dicks. Well, and he, he was getting on some shit. I, I loved it. He was like, there were so many references to grizzly bears before Lewis and Clark came, but it's almost like the grizzly bears fucking knew what Lewis and Clark were bringing because like everything with them was like being run down, chased down, like almost killed by grizzly bear after grizzly bear after grizzly bear. Damn. Yeah. And they were saying like, there was a guy who was like lower, like we don't think of grizzly bears now. We think of them in like the mountains. They're like North, but there were people like almost in like today's Louisiana on the Mississippi that said just in like a journal entry from back then, you know, the 1700s was just like counted 50 bears today coming down the river, just rolling down the river, Damn. jumping off and running off into the woods. Yeah. This place was just grizzly bear haven, bear city, bear city back in the day. <laughs> but because there's not a lot of uh, documentation of bears attacking people, but then Lewis and Clark, it's just bear attack after bear attack. <laughs> oh um, yeah. They were like, Maybe those, uh, you know, the 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 Arikaras and the Mandans were like, let's put some of this spiritual power to work. Let's let's get these fuckers out of here. Uh, in the song in particular, to go back to the song, I like that the Missouri is a person. It, like even that look away rolling river. I found that interesting. I like it when like they make them people. Make them being the river. The river, yeah. Well, I like places being characters. You yeah. know, you read a novel, it's like when it happens and it happens well, you can feel it. Like, you can just feel that there's, like, a hum to a city or a place or a river. And it's just going to do whatever the fuck it wants. It doesn't really care about your own personal shit. Like, we just happen to be watching you because we are. But, um, so I like it when Bob talks to the river like it's a person. 
And it makes a lot more sense now knowing that if it's like a she shanty, they're going to be pulling up the rope Mm -hmm. during these cues. They're almost cues. They're all cues, you know? And then at the end, the cue with Sally, it's, it sort of brings that longing uh, to full fruition. Kind of the reason why we're all out here is to like make enough money to go and, and marry someone. I mean, depending on the time frame, who the fuck is even here, you know, it's just them or the native tribes that were there, you know, which was the whole point, you know, nobody was coming from France. You know, French was just like, just send anybody. It doesn't matter. The British were like, we're going to create societies here. And that was a huge difference. You know, the French wanted to integrate. And they were like, we will dominate. And that was the... And that's where we are today. (laughs) Um, Fast forward a couple hundred years. Yeah. I, I, to go back to the song a little bit more before we completely close out on this um, pretty sore, sorry, I almost did a... Uh, Canadian, Canadian, the sorry chapter of uh, of Bob Dylan music. Uh, I really like the way that he hits all the beats on the on the refrain that ends every line. Yeah. It's like, the, the, yeah, the fluctuation between those words. It's like those words are so perfect. Like it's like I, iambic pentameter almost. It's they yeah, all the just fit perfectly. Really fun. Like away here, yeah. it's all up and down. Like, which is totally different than the rest of the song because the rest of the song is very like plotting and stuff. So. Right, and it's this is also like, one of those that has the singer. So, how do you feel about the singers? You like this? And I like the like the choir out. was neat coming in, and like I like the clapping and oh. stuff. Was, that's right, Stockholm. That's, that's, right. that's right. Uh, harmonica good. twice, <laughs> two harmonicas. So they really got you on that. It's good. Dude. I like the song. It's good. It's a great song. We love it so much. Would I ever listen to it again? I hope to never listen to it again. <laughs> All right, Kelly, we are people in the world. It is the 14th of May. Hey, it's the very merry month of May. Remember the merry month of May, which is the basis of that song that, that Bob Dylan stole with God on our side from that Irish guy who was really pissed, but then also he stole it from the very merry month of May. Yeah, remember that? I do. In addition to Bob Dylan, though, we've been listening to and reading and watching movies and doing all kinds of stuff because we're human beings that enjoy living in the world. Kelly, what else were you doing these last uh, these last two weeks? The first two weeks of May. Oh, so many things. I watched so many shows and stuff. But mostly, um, I discovered a band that other people, I hope, have already discovered. I Nucko. Um, not spelled phonetically at all. Unless That's perhaps... A-Y-E-N-A-K-O. There you go. Thanks. Um, yeah, they're like self-described homopop, which I'd never heard before. Queercore. But... Queercore, yeah. Queercore I've heard before. Um, but I mean, you could just throw indie on there. They have a, a little bit of everything, a little bit of shoegaze, a little bit of noise, a little bit of like garage. twee, little like, bit of garage, just everything, uh, out of Brooklyn there. Uh, Everyone's out of Brooklyn. Yes. Because everyone is out of Brooklyn. Fantastic. Um, they've been around since t- 2011, I think, but the only albums available on Spotify are their 2015 EP, The Blackest Eye. And uh, 2017's full-length album, Silver Haze. Uh, both are great. I actually am really partial to Blackest Eye over um, Silver Haze. Human Shield is like straight-up Veruca Salt. So, like, that's the lane if we're looking. It's going to be like the Riot Girl adjacent kind of feel to it a little bit, I feel. That's my own take yeah. on it. Uh, well, they're on Don Giovanni Records, which okay. also brings us uh, great bands called The Screaming Females. Reviver, P.S. Elliot, which is probably yeah. a lot what you're going for, which is um, from Waxahachie, mm-hmm. comes from there. Uh, Mike Yerg, who was recommended oh, yeah. on this podcast before, Laura Stevenson, Warriors, 
the great tenement that I brought up a couple of weeks so, ago. So like every band you've ever and Priest, <laughs> yeah, no, Don Giovanni, the shit, and Priest is a great, great example of a band sort of like this too. Yeah, so I'm surprised you you didn't uh, catch this one before. They have me. a lot of bands, and yeah. some of it honestly is sort of hit and miss. So I'm not, I, I don't do that with albums or with record labels a whole lot. I just Don Giovanni stands out to me only because um, whenever I do end up listening to it, I don't know why I'm just drawn to the record label i think it's just such a cool name and so mm-hmm. i i recognize it but they also they put out a lot of stuff and i can't vouch for a lot of it it's good stuff it, um, it's great stuff yeah good. it feels weird to put so many kinds of genres onto them because it it doesn't sound that confusing when you listen to it like w- the more labels we say i'm like it's not that hard just just go listen to it really they're rock they're a rock band yeah, they're, they're a rock band it's yeah. good you like Def Leppard you'll love this <laughs> <laughs> that's great same stuff but yeah go Jade Payne who is the guitarist she also plays in a band called Holo Holotropic oh. a conceptual cosmic witch house based band formed under mysterious circumstances with the intent of channeling sacred tales and unknown pleasures in hopes for finding a way back home Wherever that may be. Well, I'm going to go ahead and favorite that on Spotify real quick. Holotropic. Yeah. Support uh, queer music. uh, Music that's good. Yeah. And fun to listen to. So, yeah. Music on the edges, man. Support it. Absolutely. Don't always have to listen to Bob Dylan, guys. Come on. (laughs) As if that's the only thing that I listen to or that you listen to. That's true. All I do is listen to Bob every day, every moment. Yeah. I think if you were that guy, we wouldn't have started this podcast. Ooh. All right, Kelly, I want to recommend a little podcast that could called Expeditions. You might not have ever heard of it. No, I don't know what that is. But you have contributed music to it. <gasps> Who knew? What? What? So the reason why we're on this lazy river for the next couple of months is so that I can sort of launch this little project I've been working on for the last year. So this is a podcast that I have written. Kelly has been nice enough to provide some music and some soundscapes that you can listen to inside of the episodes. So the short answer is that this podcast is a history through the lens of Lewis and Clark, who we happen to just talk about in this episode. I wonder why we picked Shenandoah for this reason. They took an expedition across this country from 1804 to 1806, but we're going to look even more beyond that. The longer answer for what this podcast is, is an exploration of memory, of intersections, of borderlands. And while Lewis and Clark may be ciphers and the most reliable characters that you can sort of grasp onto, we're also going to meet a lot of people in 2018. Thomas Jefferson... Shingus, George Krogan, George Rogers Clark, Dragon Canoe, James Wilkinson. We're also going to meet every single member of the Corps of Discovery, which you might have heard about in books and all kinds of stuff, but you've never known the names of. You've never known the backstories of the people that went with Lewis and Clark. They didn't do this by themselves. They certainly do the, didn't do this without slavery, without Native Americans that were held capture. They didn't do it without the French. They didn't do it without other people's maps and other people doing things before. So in this podcast, we're going to examine what it means to remember who Lewis and Clark is and what that means for us in America in the 21st century. Not trying to draw parallels and not saying we should all go back and live in the 1800s because that's absolutely patently absurd. But what are some of the things that maybe happened, not so much with Lewis and Clark, but with other people around them whose stories didn't get to be told, whose stories didn't get to exist? And while we're on the journey, we're going to be traveling all throughout time and space And we're going to explore the peoples that interacted either with Lewis and Clark from the future, people that interacted from the past, and people that are interacting right here in the present in today's world. So it's not really about demystifying Lewis and Clark or doing a linear narrative. If you're looking for something to explore time, place, culture, race, and nature and environment, um, you'll want to come listen 
to expeditions, Kelly. You're going to want to come listen. I'm going to listen because you know I don't read. So the only way I'm going to get any kind of history is by listening to you tell me. That's fair. And it works out really well. And I just, you know, corner you while we're drunk and say, hey, can you tell me what World War One is? But this will be even nicer because I can just play and pause you whenever. And I'm you'll off. just be drunk and say, hey, can I tell me about Lewis and Clark? <laughs> and then I'll tell you over the course of a long time. And did I mention that this is a daily podcast? Maybe I missed that point. Damn, you're ambitious. Yeah. So this is going to come out every single day. It's not going to be a half an hour. It's not going to be an hour every day, but it's just going to be tidbits and it's not going to necessarily be following their journals or about, you know, the minutia and things like that. It's going to be creative. It's a creative writing project as much as it is a historical project. It's scratching multiple itches at once. I don't, I'm not really good at summing it up, but James Baldwin can do it for me really simply. History is not the past. History is the present. We carry our history with us. To think otherwise is criminal. So come listen to Expeditions, and then you won't be a criminal anymore. <clears throat> well, it's farewell, my dear. I'm bound to leave you. Like I will, you rolling river. Sandra, I will not. So in, in addition to Expeditions being a real podcast today, so go search for it on iTunes, uh, wherever you get your podcast, it is available. Uh, come to SOTW Pod or wherever, it'll be tweeted out. Whenever you're listening to this, it's not going to be very hard to find. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more just because I'm really excited about putting it out into the world. Throughout the course of this long river trip, down whatever river in our minds that we want to go down but before we do that kelly i need i need you to know that if you're uncomfortable with the water and you need a life jacket the best life jacket that you can find is at sotwpod.com you can't buy it you can't buy it man but if you wear (laughs) the knowledge of bob dylan around your i was really along for that ride (laughs) around your (laughs) neck neck you Chest will area. yes Neck you will be day. you will be immune to the ravages of time and water yeah <sighs> i didn't wear a life jacket in the philippines because i thought i was a strong enough swimmer and i spent like half an hour trying to get to the little alcove and by the time we got to the alcove everybody had already taken their pictures and everything and i had to turn around because i didn't it took so long to get to the thing life jackets are important anyway life jackets are very important and the best life jacket and you didn't know this at the time is sotwpod.com so head over there and if you can't get to dot com right now uh little buoys you know little put, put a little buoy on your hands and uh like floaties like, like little, little floaties yeah floaties will work and the floaties for us are of course going to be twitter and facebook instagram all of those are those names slash sotw pod and if you want to pitch in for us to get a boat that we can bring all of you on board with a knowledge boat if ditch you will. the floaties ditch the floaties get on the boat you're going to want to head over to patreon.com slash SOTW pod. Heck yeah. And there you can donate to the boat fund. <laughs> and with a boat, we can then take everyone <laughs> all the time on the river of Bob Dylan. And we're really excited to keep doing it because we love this podcast. We don't want to let this go. Even if we're doing crazy, ambitious things, doesn't matter because we're going to be here doing this every single week. Starting soon because we're still on a bi-weekly because, you know, even people with life jackets got to take a break sometimes. Are you ready to not pick next week's episode? Because I'm going to tell you what we're doing. This is I'm a captain now. I feel like a captain. I've been screaming about life jackets now for like a minute and a half. That metaphor went long. So long. Next week, 
we are coming back to one of the most beloved characters of Sign on the Window history, Bill. Yeah, Bill. If you don't remember Bill, you want to go back and listen to episode 10, which is one of the classic episodes of this podcast where we talk Days of 49, we talk the gold rush, and we talk about Bill. (laughs) All the Bills. And this song is called Tell Old Bill. So we're going to we're going to catch up with Bill. Nice. We're going to see what he's been doing and we're going to see how he's faring on that river. I'll see you in 2 weeks for Tell Old Bill episode 55 as we continue our Lazy River lead into summer brought to you by Sound the Window. Bon voyage. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I was dreaming about bills. <laughs> <laughs>